Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM. Michael J. Russ will be joining me from the road a little bit later. And uh, we have a very special guest today. Um, first of all, I just want to say that sometimes in life you meet somebody and they literally, when you meet them, they inspire you so much, they light you up like a Christmas tree. And our guest today, Eric Alexandrakis, is one of those people. He is somebody that is so uniquely creative and really has sought to create ripples throughout the world. He is a two-time Grammy nominee uh, in the Best Americana Performance category. He is just somebody that is is so amazing, and I'm so grateful and happy to welcome you. I will tell you that when I came across your site and the things and the information and the music, it was like walking into an amusement park. And as a child, mm-hmm. looking around at all of the amazing things and what was I going to pick first? I, was, I like and, that. And I, oh, my gosh. It was, it was just there, – there was words which moved my soul. There was your story which touched my heart. Uh, there were color, the, the sounds, and – and I felt that I was a kindred spirit with you. And for, so, first of all, I would like to say welcome to you. And I'm going to allow you to pronounce your beautiful last name for our audience and our listeners <laughs> properly. Well, it depends. It depends on what side of the Atlantic you're on. So, if you're on the right side, Alexandrakis. But if you're on the left side, it could be anything. So you could say Alexandrakis. That's fine. Well, thank you. I will. I will work on that, and and if we can uh, be delighted enough to have you on the show again, I would absolutely. Sure. I will practice that. Maybe you can give me a little bit of coaching. So, first of all, uh, for our audience, do not know a little bit about your journey. I I found there there. I, I like I said that it was like walking into a music park. So for me, the there was your connection to Michael Nesmith, who I, as a Canadian who was a transplant into the United States, I didn't know the monkeys until I came here until I was in, in high school. And mm-hmm. to be able to discover that and to see what you have done with that music and to not only do things with Michael's music, but the other things in the creative languaging. I would like to just share a little bit. First of all, Eric is a two-time Grammy nominee. He is a singer, songwriter, composer, producer who is one of the most creative people that I've come across in in a long time. I would love to hear a little bit and learn a little bit about your journey, and I know the audience would love to hear a little bit about your path and what brought you to music. Well, people like myself were generally wired to be creative. So creative people live in scientific studies done on this. You know, creative people have some kind of extra nerve endings in certain parts of the brain and react differently to colors and images and sounds and things like that. So it wasn't really something that brought me to it. It was just always there. It's just, you know, you have certain, you have certain experiences and certain things that trigger the self-awareness of what you are. 
you know, as you get older and grow up and you just kind of, you know, it's like, you know, certain guitarists gravitate towards the guitar. There's a reason for that. There's a connection. There's something there that, you know, the tone of it, the feel of something, it does something for them and they become guitar players and they become this or whatever. So it was always a thing. I started with classical piano training at age six and then, um, had like theatrical training and things of that nature ever since I was a little kid all the way into high school was in bands was started had my first recording session at age 16 and spent pretty much every weekend some portion of it in recording studios in Miami learning the ropes and um went to college and studied um uh, English lit and public uh, relations and got a graduate degree in music business and produced the first digitally watermarked CD while I was in college and just traveled all over the world you know, growing up and my parents taking us to the the greatest art museums around the world and seeing all the great masters and the paintings and you know, I've always been interested in photography and cinema, and you know, there's uh, there's a lot to fill in the blanks with, but that that could take you know several days. But discovered by uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran, and and then all kinds of things started kind of flowing my way after that, and work with John Malkovich and Yoko Ono and. Uh, just a lot of stuff. David Lynch and did some short films, and one of them shortlisted in Con. And so there's there's a whole plethora of uh, of things floating about all these years. But what I find so fascinating, Eric, is that you everything that you do radiates so much joy, and that's I think why I I see it. Like I said, I feel like I was like at an amusement park. I I jumped into <laughs> I do I do you know and it was like you walk into the gates and so you you see the roller coaster so the first thing that I was drawn to and this is and again it's a visual um, and it was the words and it it was it's okay to waltz alone and I thought oh my gosh that's so interesting like that you know and it was one of the first points and then I found humor and I found joy and. Um, for a lot of us in this on this planet right now, we get disconnected from that point of joy. And on our self-discovery, I think we've we've sort of been delving into that. And I think I mentioned to you briefly that I had put a, a video up on my Instagram page. And what it, what I found so fascinating, I. I put things up. I, I love color. I like you. I, I really I pay attention to languaging. And what I found was on a soul level that it started to resonate with people, that there was something, uh, some sort of a disconnect between who we are and how amazing we are as human beings uh, to losing our ability to feel worthy. And it really echoed in, in the comments that I received. And, and it just, I was just literally floored by it. And so I, I really, I see that. And I see that in your music and the message that you try to bring forth. I, I, it's just, it's 
it's just amazing. Do you think some of that, um, having grown up in a family that was Greek, that there's a lot of love shown and a lot of like physical contact, do you feel that that helped nurture and shape you? It could be. I'm not, I mean, there was that, but uh, that could be a subconscious thing. Like my, my whole thing is, um, I, uh, I used to be very, very kind of reserved, taking everything really seriously. You know, I take the work really seriously, mm-hmm. but at this point, it took me a while to learn to just not really take life seriously. I mean, clearly, you know, that can mean different things to different people. You know, if you're going to drive somewhere, wear a seatbelt. You know, that's serious. But I mean, like, you know, everything can end in a heartbeat. You know, I could mm-hmm. drop dead while talking to you right now, which would be an interesting episode. But, um, <laughs> for sure. It, you know, what, what? my. Is that Michael? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. I just been listening. Hey, man. <laughs> Welcome. I just wanted to ask if there was any particular uh, event in life that kind of pivoted you in that direction towards well, not I taking life too so seriously. Yeah, I did have cancer twice. So, like, the first time. Okay. There we go. I um, did the eight months of chemo or six months, whatever it was. And when I was done, I was very like, eh, I ripped my new pants. Who cares? Just pants. Ah, I crashed the car. Who cares? It's a car. Ah, whatever. You know, but I, I was, I've always been very, well, I, actually, 29, 30 years ago next summer is Mark's 30 years that I've been in the music business. Wow. And there was a few events that happened, personal things that happened that kind of put me into work overdrive at that time. And I've, I've always been driven. I've always, but, but like prior to that, um, there was a sense of uh, fear in, I guess, being rejected if I tried to get into some project or something. So, yeah, you know, that, that event, a, a kind of personal thing happened, and it, it made me realize that I never want to have regrets again. Mm-hmm. So it, it put me into work overdrive, and so much so that I worked so hard that a few months later was when the cancer started to grow in me. Right. So, uh, and it wasn't discovered until what? Four years later. So it was slowly growing in me to this, the point to where it was the size of a fist pushing my rib cage out. Wow. Um, did, did, did they, the fear that you were experiencing, I've had to ask this question because now, after that experience, do you still have the same fears about, on occasion? My brother's an actor, you know, and he says, you know, acting, acting is kind of like, you know, music, you get one job, another job, and you have to have a certain amount of faith that the jobs will keep coming, and you have to live your life based on that. And I'm wondering if that's something that you felt when, when you were, um, as you were progressing over the 30 years. Um, you know, uh, when, when the cancer thing was over the first time, I was still very driven. In fact, I went back to my horrible regimen of like 
you know, 24 hour sessions, which may or may not have been the reason why I got it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, you know, my, I didn't really have a fear about work cause I was always very confident in my abilities. Um, the, the fear that, uh, you know, the first round chemo was done. I had, you know, I wasn't afraid of it coming back. So then when I had the second one, I had to have a stem cell transplant was in a hospital for a month in a germ free environment. And then that messed me up emotionally. So the emotional scarring was worse than the physical scarring. I had tubes coming out of me and all kinds of kind of Frankenstein sort of things. So when I got out of the hospital, the fear was, is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? So like to, to a certain point, the only fear I have is if I get a weird pain, what could that be? You know, whereas I don't fear rejection. I don't fear because, you know, this line of work, you're rejected every day. You know, right. and I, I've been, I've been lucky. I probably, well, I've been lucky. I've, I've probably only had five bad reviews in my entire life. And, and most of those have been kind of weird and malicious. <laughs> so, yeah. I just want to interrupt, but you incorporated that into your music, which I found so fascinating that, you you know, you, you take these snippets and, and I don't know, Michael, if you had an opportunity to listen, but, uh, you know, part of, of what Eric's music and the communication that you put forth was spoken word and it was I found it just to be so incredibly powerful and you were nominated for for that spoken word album it 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 just is I think as an artist to people and again that's the disconnect from humanity people have this anonymity and they feel that they can say things they don't realize that it does impact you yeah, that was an interesting one. You know, it has about two hours of music on there as well, music that I recorded while I had the tumor unknowingly, and then um, when I was going through treatment. It was done on a borrowed four-track cassette recorder. It was never mastered. That stuff still gets used in TV and all kinds of things. And, wow. you know, it's uh, you know, the only thing I'm, I'm really scared of in life is anything happening to my kid. That's my only fear. I have no fear with anything else. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll write to some A-list, write a movie star and say, Hey, I'd like to do this with you. And sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they don't. And you know, a lot of my friends are like, how do you have the gumption to do that? I'm like, I don't care. Like, I really yeah. don't care. Like, I'm right. interested in this thing. Right. This is the thing. You know, I, it's just what? it's nonsense. They all have to take showers, too, you know, so it's the same. Yeah, right. They're just people. And they can say right. no. They're just people. No. What's the worst that can happen? They, they, they can say no, and you just move on to somebody Well, else. the worst that can happen is you get in a situation where you are doing something with them, and then they go completely nuts on you, which has happened. and and then you're just like you know you're just like wow I had a poster of you on my wall when I was 10 and you're a complete asshole (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry for that does happen because they are people right yeah and you know I mean fame messes people up fame fame messes people up in varying degrees so you know you get a sense of entitlement you get 
you know, uh, whatever. I'm not even close to the level of some of the people that I'm friends with or, or that I work with. And occasionally, you know, you you do something and somebody doesn't respond the way you want to. I'm like, who do they think they are? I've got them. It's like, wait a minute, you know, chill out, dude. Yeah. Don't start that yeah. crap. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so... Um, yeah, it's it is no. I I, um, I have no fear. I mean, I've yeah. been in so, precarious plane rides. You know that I thought that was going to be it. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're still here because you have a you have a greater message, and and you are the Greek Elvis. I did I did go email. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I love that too. Greek um, Elvis. He is. He <laughs> yeah, is the funny. Greek Elvis. I just I thought. <laughs> We are we are honored beyond measure. So I, I just have a question. So you connected with John Taylor from Duran Duran because he was looking for an iron or an ironing board, and how did that come about exactly? I'm just I'm just so fascinated by that. So that you know that group is quite possible. Well, not possibly. They definitely are my biggest influence. So they were mm-hmm. my Beatles growing up. <clears throat> I hear it in and, your music too, by the way. I, I, yeah, it's I, in there. Really I mean, appreciate it. Yeah, if I were to break it down to to three, probably my biggest influences are them, Noel Gallagher of Oasis, his songwriting, and John Williams. So every every song title yeah. I write, and, every, and then the vibe, I try to make it like a cinematic thing, like a like a film. So if mm-hmm. if a title doesn't look good on screen in capital letters like a film title, I won't use it. So like that's kind of what I'm always going for. But with him, I just finished the first eight months of, or six months of chemo, and the doctor said, you know, don't go anywhere. Your immune system's still messed up. You could catch something and get sick and whatever. So I was looking through the paper one day and I saw an ad for a show with an artist called Jonathan Taylor, and he never goes by Jonathan. So uh, I saw that. I'm like, Jonathan Taylor? Who's Jonathan Taylor? And I'm like, is that John Taylor? So I called the venue, and they said it was him. Uh, so right off the bat, that show suffered from bad promotion because who's Jonathan Taylor? You know, nobody knows him as Jonathan Taylor. So I said, I'm so going to this. And um, But I wasn't supposed to go anywhere, and I said, I don't care. I'm going. So the day he was supposed to play, there was a tropical storm hitting Miami. And I didn't know if it was canceled or what. So I called the, the venue again and they said, no, it's not canceled. So I drove in the tropical storm. I got there maybe three hours early. I'm always early to everything, which is very unlikely for musicians, but I'm a, I'm a big uh, <laughs> advocate of punctuality and playing in time. So I get there three hours early. Nobody's there. I'm under a leaky canopy in a tropical storm holding my tapes that I did the four track cassette tapes thinking I'm just going to give it to him. And then one of my buddies, he shows up, so we're there together. And then we see, like, the crew coming back and forth from this this hotel next to the venue, and we're like, you know what? They're probably staying there, and he's probably going to come out at some point in the lobby, and, you know, maybe I can give him some tapes and say hi and, and that sort of thing. So we went to the lobby. Still nobody had come to stand in line. We went to the lobby, and... Um, I was like, I was just sitting there and suddenly he comes to the front desk in glasses and yellow socks looking for an ironing board. I'm like, Oh my God, there he is. So then I, I told my friend, I'm like, dude, don't, don't bother him. Don't trust him. And like, I, oh, or not trust him. So don't, don't rush him. 
so as I'm saying this to him, suddenly my body just kind of takes over and like I find myself moving towards him without even realizing. <laughs> it was very strange. And I just said to him, hey, John, you know, I'm an admirer and I really enjoy your music and here's some of mine and hope you enjoy it. And it was very cool. And yeah. uh, we went back and enjoyed the show. It was right up against the stage since I was first there. And then we got to meet him for a bit afterwards. And then he and his uh, assistant at the time contacted me a few uh, weeks later, or months, I think it was, and said they wanted to sell my first solo album on his website, which was probably the first webzine of its kind. It was called Trust the Process. It was really cool. It was really interesting. He talked about films. He talked about books. He talked about artists. He showed photos of, of, you know, his growing up years. It, it was probably the first of its kind. And then it just grew from there, you know. So he's been really supportive. He played on a track of mine called Mediterranean Sun. Bass and drums are by Steve Ferroni of the Heartbreakers. Because he wow. played with Duran Duran when Roger Taylor left for a while. He played on Notorious and their biggest hit, Ordinary World, and a bunch of stuff. So, so yeah. So it just it blossomed, and uh, my company represented Duran Duran for licensing, because I also have this company, My Own Music, which does rights clearance and music licensing and music supervision, and I represented them for a lot of that and some other major artists and hooked up with all the major labels and major publishers and, you know, done stuff with a lot of major brands like Live Nation and AG and Kate Spade and all that, so... Yeah, it was wow. a big, uh, it was a big deal for me. Still is. Yeah, and 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 you're still you, and and it's interesting. I'm wondering because I I did see that you love cameras. I'm wondering was it the Duran Duran girls on film that got you interested in cameras? No, um, I don't know. Is it or is it just like in my opinion, like when you use a camera, you capture a moment in time, and That's so we have is. these moments in time yeah so i'd love to hear your thoughts about that so what are what are the moments in time that inspire you i don't know i've always loved cameras and super eight cameras i have loads of them like old ones uh from you know from the 40s the 30s the 20s uh, early 1900s 50s 60s i just love photography It, it just it's and, you know, it's like that Rod Stewart album, Every Picture Tells a Story. I mean, it was a favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, Every Picture Does Tell a Story. And then I'm just fascinated by light, color, shapes. For me, I, I'm not, I never really cared to take photos of people. Mm-hmm. I always right. like, you know, there's always like shapes or things, or you know, different things. I love Polaroids. I love... So when I hooked up with Sandra Miller who, um, and John Malkovich for, for this big project that uh, John was playing all these famous people from through time and Sandra was reproducing the photos, and I got to watch that whole process, which wow. was an unbelievable education. And watching the film, wow. we did a film based on Plato's Allegory of the Cave that I wanted to do, like have John recite over music, and it just turned into this big thing. We did like four vinyl releases, you know, signings all over the place, London and L.A. and Chicago, and so I don't know what it is. It's just I love capturing moments and 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 angles and light and and things and 
it's hard to describe. It's kind of an obsession. Yeah. No, I can I can see that, and I even I even took your journey around the Lone Pine Mall. I, I like I said I was I, oh. Michael. I, you you joined mid mid uh, conversation, but I said to Eric that going to his website for me was like walking, being a little kid and walking into an amusement park and seeing like, oh my gosh, I want to go on that and I want to go on that and when am I, wait, 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 do I need tickets for that or how long is the line because I don't care because I'm doing that and (laughs) when I I listened to, I was was loving the Lone Pine Mall. I I know it sounds so funny but I was like, you know, that's exactly what a superhero does. You put on the music from Back to the Future and you get in your car and you do something that your soul moves you to do and you record it and then you share it. And then people like yeah. me get to go, how cool is that? That goes, yeah, that goes to my fearless. I'm driving, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm driving around the parking lot speeding with the windows down, the music playing. And I'm like, I'm going to get a ticket or something. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, but yeah, I'm, I'm a real student of cinema, but that film... I think I was 10 when that came out and it just struck me and really inspired me. And it's probably my favorite film. That one. Which one? And I love Which film? Back, back, to, back, to, the back, back to the Future. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm a, I'm a big oh, yeah. fan of David Lean and, and Hitchcock and, you know, Lawrence oh, yeah. of Arabia yeah. and, you know, classic cinema. I've, I've Cinematic, my yeah. Is, yeah, my kid is really, really well-versed and, films from the 40s and onward and he'll sit with me and watch a three-hour black and white movie from 1953 and or 1948 and wow. not complain one moment you know that it's black and white and they are you know. they are cinematic masterpieces to watch to sit down and I, I you know today when I when I tell people that that back in those days you used to have uh, amazing dialogue that would that would last you know for five minutes without an edit, you know, and and just interaction and people go, what, you know, because cinema has turned into this, into a lot of jolt editing and, uh, because of people's attention span, but the, the the dialogue that was written and the actors and the way that they, they, uh, put it forth in these old black and white movies is, is a a thing of wonder. Absolutely. Yeah. I really, let let me ask you a question. Did your, did your parents, uh, my father was into Super 8 movies when we were growing up. Was, was your parents um, using Super 8 when you were traveling the world and seeing yeah. places and museums? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they were using Super yeah. 8. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because... Um, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, back to, like, like, Lawrence of Arabia, for example. Like, you know, now when you look at scenes... Uh, of like the desert and and uh, like where he's sitting in the desert and the lighting is so right. perfect and then and yeah. then there's that other shot you know they're they're in the desert is a wide shot and there's like five thousand extras it just makes my brain hurt logistically <laughs> like how do you how do you even engineer something so logistical because I've been in a few uh, movies as well I was in the Miami Vice movie and I was fascinated kind of watching the process and I was in. Um, Dexter and I was in uh, some other movie with Frankie Muniz and so I've always liked the behind the camera thing because the first time I went to right. the Grammys I, I didn't particularly care about who was there or whatnot but I was fascinated at how the how it looked behind the camera I've always felt like I, I, I'm a film director caught in a musician's body which is funny because Malkovich 
Malkovich told me once that he he feels like he's a musician caught in a actor's slash director's body. I'm like, oh, no wonder we get along mm. so well. So there you go. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it is. No. It is an amazing. It's it's an amazing. What's amazing is how many people in the entertainment industry have these cross interests. You know, crisscrossing interests, and and yeah. how many of them? It, it seems like you have been able to actually. Uh, pursue them in a serious way, which I think is absolutely fascinating how they've all come together for you in uh, a serendipitous fashion, let's say, uh, because it is, it is, <clears throat> we've been talking about law of attraction for the last couple of weeks and how uh, what we're thinking attracts uh, to us the you know, like frequencies and uh, the, the people and circumstances that validate our own thinking. And it seems as though that is your life is, is a living example of that. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, the, I think the, the cinema side of it also stemmed from my parents watching classic films, but also, you know, you'd see a classic film and you see, um, Dr. Zhivago or something, and then mm-hmm. travel to a place that looks like that. And then right. we're almost living in it, which is, I, I love to go, like when, I, when I'm in L.A. and I have meetings, I always find shooting locations somewhere on the way between the meetings that I could, that I could stop at and just kind of look at. And I love that feeling, yeah, I love that feeling of being in that world and being part of that world and being like, wow, that tree, that tree looks the same as it did 30 years ago, and this is where that happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's just, plus I've always had the thought of if you're going to be an artist, you really have to study all forms of art, painting, et cetera, because then it'll all come together and create your own unique spin on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I photograph all of my artwork and design all of my covers and everything. I don't hire anybody, and partially because I'm a bit of a control freak. But, right. um, you know, it's just, I just know, you know, usually I know exactly what I want. And if right. on the rare occasion I don't, I'll delegate something to somebody right. else. Right. You have a feeling yeah, and you know, you know what you feel is right. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, you're curating an, an energetic frequency that you want, not just through the music, but that you're broadcasting. So my, like, when, like I said, when I went to your site and then I went to, the, like, started to look at some of the things that you've produced, it was just, like, I felt that. I felt the frequency. I felt, I felt the high mm-hmm. vibrational frequencies of, of everything. And it was just, it's point. just beautiful. It's just simply beautiful. I, I love sometimes, sometimes it's it's difficult to to translate it because the, you know I really like complex music, everything from Mozart to to Yes to you know progressive rock. But I also love I think there's genius and simplicity. Like I mean the I love one band I love is called the Mavericks and they're like a cool rock band from like 1968. They sound like and they have mm-hmm. a song called. Um, come on to me and there's so many dynamics in that song and it's only two chords and mm-hmm. and only when you start to you know <laughs> only when you start to play along to it yeah only when you start to play along to it you're like oh my god it's only like E minor and A minor over and over again and it's just so dynamic that's just like I love that that kind of genius way of taking something simple 
and making something big out of it. You know, it reminds mm-hmm. me of when I was yeah. on the Paramount lot one day and somebody I was with points to this like balcony with like a fire escape and they say, you see that? You know, that's the last scene mm-hmm. of Pretty Woman where she's looking down on him and he's got his arms open. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've always been fascinated with that. You know, that scene is famous. It's the end. Everybody knows that scene. And it was just done in a little thing right there. And yet you never right. would have known it walking past it. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. It, it's so interesting I, that you say that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I just had, I had a quick question. So if it was, and, you know, you eliminated place for a Grammy is just phenomenal. And when I saw the, the cover, and it makes a lot of sense that you have the cinematic influence, is um, the cover for your latest album that got nominated, which is Silver Moon. You had a moon, and it reminded me from of George Melies, the, the pioneering filmmaker of that mm-hmm. moon that he created. Mm-hmm. Was that sort of, is that one of your inspirations? Uh, for in, yeah, I mean, cinematography. I, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something that's in the mix. I mean, with Silver Moon, the cover, I was trying to mimic the cover of. Um, it came from an album called Loose Salute, which was Mike's second solo album, part of a trilogy. And so I, I did my name in the same logo he did, and the same oval around it, the same, there's like a plate, he has a plate. And, mm-hmm. But I was looking for something, I wanted to find something that was old enough to where it was public domain as well. But, right. But, sure. ha- but had a, you know, classic kind of old feeling to it with a moon. So I found that in like a thrift shop. And uh, okay. But yeah, that, that, that does that does play into that, the whole soup of things. That's, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Ingredients. I was drawn, I was drawn to, uh, to, to, uh, percussion back in the sixties. And so I found that I discovered that I had a talent for playing drums and as I still do. Um, although it never, never really, it wasn't something that I was, that I've ever pursued, uh, on a higher professional level such as yourself. And I don't write my music. However, um, I I can identify with absolutely everything that you've that you've said with regards to even not having heard your music because it's been a really crazy day and a half. Um, however, it is the, the first thing that I'm actually going to do when I when I get two minutes to rub together later on this evening is to sit and look at your website and and look through um, your music and get that feel that that Lisa uh, and and it is so. Uh, I hope you're describing. properly it first. <laughs> Pardon. I hope you're properly medicated first before you start looking at the stuff. <laughs> oh, well, there'll, there'll be, there will be wine involved, red wine All right. involved. Don't there worry. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. I'm, I'm a big red wine fanatic. However, I just have to say this just on the side. Um, my brother used to work at Paramount in the Star Trek series. And oh, what did I walked through. He was Tuvok. Your brother Star was Tuvok? Yeah. Oh, I just yeah. tweeted at him yesterday. That's funny. You just tweeted what at him? Did, oh, do you know him? The thing on, well, no, no. I mean, I follow him, and he, um, that's so cool. Like, I, I, I love Star Trek. Don't tell William Shatner, because he and I are friends. <laughs> he, might, he, might never, he might never talk to me again. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah he I'm familiar with thing. Shatner. You what? I, I'm familiar with Shatner. Go ahead, though. He put, what did my yeah, brother put up? He's a cool 
Uh, he put up a, um, a thing on uh, guns, and I retweeted yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and it was just a really good graphic on the reality of the situation and statistics and things. And I have so, to take yeah, a look he, at that. <laughs> I, yeah, I enjoy his. I enjoy. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah, I walked awesome. through what I was saying. What I was saying is, I've, I've been to the Paramount lot at least two dozen times to, to sit and to see the process of how things are made. Not only that, but with other movies that he did uh, there in Columbia and Sony's Columbia Sony Studios and uh, the uh, old Desilu Studios that, that uh, I think Columbia now owns. However, the the prop room, the prop area of Paramount is a fascinating walk. You know, we talk about all these movies from, from the past and, and just walking through the prop area. You see all this yeah. stuff hanging on walls, sitting on tables, stuff around. You can go, yeah, that was a net movie. Oh, yeah, that was a net movie. Oh, yeah, that was. And, these are, and, and you're like, wow, you recognize exactly where you are. You're in a place that is replete with cinematic history. It's just oozing it. You know? Yeah, I, um, I, I love looking at that stuff. I mean, the people who make that stuff are, are you know, are craftsmen in a whole other oh, yeah. realm. And the people who build the sets. And sometimes I think those people don't get enough due. You know, I mean, the beautiful designs. And, I, and I, I've communicated with some of them. One oh, of them is a friend, Doug Drexler. You've probably heard of Doug Drexler. He, he, he worked on Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise and Battlestar Galactica. He's yeah, on Picard I probably right met now. him. <laughs> yeah, he yeah I probably met him at one point or another. Well, he won an Oscar for makeup on Dick Tracy, and he's just an incredibly oh, talented guy. He's an inspiration. And like those guys, Rick Sternbach, who designed Voyager. And, you know, all these guys are like incredible, but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, they're they're like holy relics in, in, in a way. You know, seeing them and just taking you to that, seeing that to that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that place. They've made yeah. so much so much there. Well, I'll tell, uh, I'll uh, I'll check out the, the 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 tweet. Usually, I get I've probably gotten it in my in my regular uh, text thread, which is the first place I it, it shows up, and then he tweets it later. But I'll. Uh, I'll take a, a, a good look at it, but it's, um, it, it's been uh, joyous. I, I fortunately have to go because I'm, I've got an emergency situation that I'm, I'm needing to take oh. care of right now in the next hour. But, um, I have very much enjoyed this conversation and what I was able to come into and here. thank you for allowing me to be there. And I, uh, we'll, I'll connect with you. Uh, if you leave, sure. uh, I'll leave your contact info. Uh, I live in North Florida, so if you're ever in the North Florida area. Um, oh, where? Panama City Beach. Okay, yeah, because I'm from Miami. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was just down there a couple of months ago. Um, however, uh, if you ever shoot up this way, or if I ever shoot down there, we can we can we can connect, and uh, yeah, cool. we should stay in touch. We should stay in touch. Yeah, I really would like to uh, connect with you if you've got a project going somewhere. Uh, who knows? Maybe I can. Uh, Stop in and uh, and watch you uh, uh, yeah, watch man. you create magic. You never know. That'd be cool. That would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, Lisa, thank you so much. And you uh, as well. Yeah, lots of positive energy that you that everything goes well with your 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 challenge, Michael. Yeah, so yeah, everything with ease and grace. Everything with ease oh, and yeah, grace. It's, yeah. It's just it just takes time. That's all. It just takes yep, time. Absolutely. But thank you so much. Absolutely. Both of you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe. Take care, and, man. Uh, yeah. Thank you.
Yeah, I'm glad that, Michael, you were able to, to connect with him energetically. Now, so we have been when talking, and, and I'd love for you to share with our audience because I one of the things that I so admire about you is that you are your authentic self. And you have a son, so you're you're raising your son to experience and to be living in a world that, you know, can be very technologically challenged and there can be cruelty and, you know, you can be judged for your expression where a lot of these older masters that you see in, in museums and around the world, they were able to create without uh, all, the, all the opposite of positive energy. So... How if they do you avoid, find it? If they, if they could have avoided being burned to the stake, of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I know. I always say, you know, I don't like anything tight around my neck. I was probably hung as a witch or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows what that was. But do you have any advice or any insights on on really growing into and being your authentic self? I find that one of uh, just such a powerful uh, just character attribute that you you have, and, and that you you can see it in everything that you do. And, and I just would love for you to to share some of that wisdom with our audience, if you wouldn't mind. You know, that's an interesting question because we're influenced by things every day, so it's hard to really pinpoint what one's authentic self is. I guess you kind of you, you know what's important to you mm-hmm. inside, and like for me. Uh, you know, my friends and my family, my closest friends, I drop everything. If they need me, uh, you know, I drop everything. So, like, I had a, one of my best friends. She had breast cancer, and she was very alone. So, during her treatments and beyond, I would check on her every day, you know, uh, either via text or a call or something. Didn't matter where in the world I was, but that's that's kind of the way I am. And, you know, friends who have children who have interests in the arts, I, I mentor them and I provide opportunities for them. You know, if, if I, if I see that their, their, their talent and their commitment warrants it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's always been me. I've always, um, if I commit to something work or whatever, you know, I, I commit to it and I, I, you know, it's, it's a time sucker, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do that for people. But I just feel like, you know, what is life if you're not creating ripples? It's right. kind of pointless. It's kind of vain. Now, a lot of times people might say, what are you getting out of this? Like, why would he get this, you know, my kid a job opportunity? Like, what is he getting out of it? I'm not getting anything out of it. You know, it's just how I am, you know. So right. if somebody is ultra-talented and, you know, I think it's worth to reach into my contacts, which I rarely ever do, never do, to help some kid or some aspiring thing or give them opportunity, I'll do it. Uh, sometimes, you know, because we live in this uh, transactional way of life, some people may not kind of grasp that. But um, so, I mean... You generally know what what you value and how you are, and you'll get screwed along the way multiple times. Unfortunately, that's part of the process. But um, I just wouldn't allow anyone who 
wants to bring you down or who basically uh, doesn't understand things. You know, I, I, I have a very unusual life for a very long time. So, like, you know, my, my godfather was Einstein's neighbor and colleague at Princeton. My father started a university in Greece. I, you know, my grandfather and his father and some uncles were were executed by Nazis because they were males, you know, back in World War II. I have a great uncle who blew up a monastery and sparked the freedom of Greece. And wow. my mom's a philosopher. And, you know, so, like, there's, there's like a, lot of, a lot to live up to. And right. Then, and then all these other things kind of happening to me and going around the world and hanging out with and collaborating with whoever. It, it, right. It's, it, most people don't will never understand um, what that's like. So my perspective on life and just even nuances of returning calls or emails or somebody's hurt and somebody needs something, it's a very different approach to things because when you've kind of experienced a lot of that stuff, um, you you see the different things, different angles, and you see it from different places rather than mm-hmm. uh, somebody who might live in a bubble, for example. Sure, Absolutely. you know it's not it's not to minimize or somebody or look down on anybody, but it's just the reality. No, right. You know, I totally you, you, understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you've been around the world, you've seen suffering in different countries and different things and. You, you're more aware of it, whereas if you just live in the same kind of uh, bubble your entire life, and it's just a completely different understanding of the world. So, mm-hmm. I understand. Um, I, I went to Tanzania and volunteered in a hospital, and people don't understand how they don't. good they have it they here. Don't. I mean, you don't eat unless your family comes to cook for you. And you think, right. How does that happen? How does that happen? And it just, um, you know, every day, you, you know, you practice gratitude. And, and in, in your mother being a philosopher, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tim Freak, but he is, he considers himself a stand-up philosopher. And I connected with his books years ago. And he, he talked about um, the Amish have a saying, I wonder this, I wonder this. And I, I really embraced that. And when I was in Tanzania, I went to this place above the building that said the House of Wonder. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want to live there. And I think that's why I so appreciate your work, because there is that wonderment in there. There's that joy that yeah, you Yes, exactly it. And, and that's one of the reasons why I admire Shatner is that he's interested in everything. I'm interested in everything. I'm curious about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has said many a times, you ask too many questions. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> but like, uh, you, you know, so, so going back to what you said is that, you know, I, I think for, for people to just kind of figure out their core, just to just explore as much as possible. And, you know, it's, it's not cheap to, to go around the world and travel and whether or not everybody is able to do it. And that's, you know, which is, it'd be nice if that was part of, like, a thing colleges offered, you know, study abroad where everybody could experience that mm-hmm. to some degree so that they can see that 
there are other ways of doing things and other ways of seeing things and people with different cultures and traditions because one thing I think too many people in the U.S. suffer from is this whole ethnocentric, you know, what do I care what happens in, in that part of the world? Well, life is ripples. It affects everybody, Absolutely. whether you know it or not. And um, I think uh, we all kind of suffer in some ways due to some people's lack of understanding of reality, <laughs> you know, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. So, sure. you know, uh, exploration is really yeah. the best thing. You know, and, cre- and creatively as well, you know, I, I mean, it's not about being the best at playing guitar or, or playing flute, you know. Being creative is about exploration and experimentation. And I'm not really good at anything, really. Like, I'm just good at being me. So somehow all of these... <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so somehow all these elements, all these elements I'm mm-hmm. interested in combine into this thing that is me that nobody else can do the way I do it. So, uh, And absolutely, you are unique in all the world, and, that, and that's what makes it you so amazing and wonderful. As, as do, you know, I think that's what, I, I appreciate David Cho. I don't know if you're familiar with him as an artist, but he grew up in a family where he, he didn't have, you know, there, it wasn't acceptable to, to grow up to be an artist. And he takes himself to the limit. He is so off the charts creative. I, I, I just mm. blows me away in sculpture and painting and he does everything outside the box and he doesn't really even sell his art anymore. He does it for himself. And I just, I, I just love it. And I felt like that with when I connected with your work. And so for our audience, um, we, you know, we still have a, a, just a little under 10 minutes, but I'd love to hear what, what is new and inspiring, and where can people connect with you? And I'd love for you to give your website and where people can find you and uh, just some of the, the other things that are up and coming. So I always have too many things going on at once, and depending on what the outcome is from one of them, then you kind of have to refocus and shift focus on certain projects because, you know, when this is your day-to-day, you have to think, okay, next month I should do this because that's coming around and that'll monetize then. And then in six months I should finish that because then it'll be the season for this. And then so-and-so is doing this next year, so we need to make time to finish that. So I'll do that next time. Yeah, so there's always a bunch of stuff. But there's, you know, right now with the Americana nomination I have. So with that, you generally have a year window before somebody replaces you. So you have to somehow use that year to kind of further cement some things within that genre. Um, So I have a few of those, some documentaries and things. Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I have an electronic record that I did with Dolores Reardon for the Cranberries. Because she and I were close friends, and that's unreleased. But you know, if you if you get a nomination in San Marcano performance, it would be silly to put out an electronic record in the same year because it just confuses and it just looks like you're you're unfocused. I had to step back in really quickly. 
<laughs> Welcome back, Michael. Uh, I apologize. The last seven I, uh, minutes. Had, <laughs> the last seven minutes. Uh, now that I've kind of gotten to a point, uh, all I want to see, Eric, is, is say, Eric, is that uh, I listened to uh, the YouTube, um, uh, your YouTube piece about in your acceptance speech. What an awesome piece of work that is! Um, I know, I love so that eloquent, too. I didn't eloquent. Yeah, and the music. Amazing. However, you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of a lot of really uh, amazing creatives are are being lost uh, nowadays. And kudos to you for uh, reminding uh, this generation, uh, a couple of generations here coming up, and and uh, and uh, uh, generations that are now starting to discover a lot of even Michael Nesbitt's music um, that. Uh, this is the case, uh, not only in in, in, uh, in music, but in acting and theater. Uh, some really brilliant people, uh, even a lot of brilliant people behind the scenes who made a lot of magic happen, uh, are no longer here as well. So kudos to you for uh, creating, um, for, for at least for Michael Nesmith, putting together yeah. a project that highlighted his work. Thanks, David. I mean, these people are gods. I mean... You know, yeah. they 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 altered the the forces of gravity, whether we're aware of it or not, in in you know multiple ways. And the same thing with the great actors and the great filmmakers. I mean, now with technology, music has become such a, an algorithmic uh, yeah. 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 nightmare. <laughs> you know, drives me and crazy. Drives me crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Um, but. Um, you know what, what's going to? I mean, what's it going to be like with when McCartney and, and Ringo and the Stones are gone? I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, what else is there going to be? I mean, there's still you know some innovative groups around like. It's going to be the Greek Elvis. <laughs> yeah, the Greek Elvis. It's going to be you uh, paying uh, paying paying them homage, yeah. paying Holding homage to them, and, and exactly, exactly. That's going to be you. Interestingly enough, you mentioned Charlie Watts, who was. Uh, interestingly enough, the um, uh, one of my best friends in New York City. We had a, a quote suit business, and my best my friend was uh, was his. Uh, he was friends with Charlie, and he was he, he's a musician, a uh, percussionist, and um, uh, he's also a good friend of uh, of uh, Rollins, Sonny Rollins, and it's it's amazing how I mean, Charlie Watts passing was was a complete and total. A surprise and a game changer uh, for many people, and um, and you know we 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 look at this and people go, Charlie Watts, who is that? You know, it's like one of the greatest uh, supergroups of 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 all time, uh, right. and you know the the person who's in the, who was the, the the literal heartbeat of the group no longer there, and yeah, you can fill it in with somebody else. However, there's no, the, the iconic the history. Man. Yeah, right. it's there's the iconic history. There was a there's a, a personality to the to the to the music, and every every musician has a personality. Um, I know I can go, I can hear. I know you can do the same thing. You can hear music, and you go, oh, that that sounds like so and so. Let me double check mm-hmm. because exactly. the licks, the guitar licks, the the saxophone uh, uh, riffs, uh, the the um, the drum licks. You can kind of there's, there's a personality uh, to it all. Just like we all have a personality. People who have music, who know music, play music. Um, for a living and write music has that going for them. Everybody develops their own little, um, their own little niche when it comes to 
um, their their character as far as um, their music is concerned. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to learning what yours is. Um, that would be that yeah. w- that would be a real fun trip. Plus, um, if the drummer sucks, the band sucks. So, <laughs> I mean, You're it's just... It's I just, keep saying that. No it, pressure. It's say a that. rule. It's a all rule. the time. Like I, record, I, I record with Steve Ferroni like, all the time, a lot, and like we have this conversation, and it's just, it's the most important thing, and then really it's the vocal and then everything else, you know, around it. So, I, I like, I love Steve Jordan. I mean, he's great. Of course, but yes. but he can't. Nobody can play like Charlie. I mean, it's it's not the same thing. And you know, no. they got to do what they got to do, and 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 you know, work. And and but it's it's a totally different vibe now. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to copy somebody else. It's impossible to do that. Um, well, you however, can't. I mean, he, 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 he plays like in front of the beat and behind the beat at the same time. Like you know, it's 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 hard. To, you can't you can't you can't mimic that. There's no way. You know. No. Now it is it is quite interesting, and, and we'll have to have we'll have to have a conversation about this at, at a little more length because that is the one pet peeve that I have is a lot the way a lot of drummers play, and um, you know it was it, Charlie was unique, and it's true that he has, he he felt the music, he felt it. A lot of drummers play; they're proficient, but they don't feel. Oh yeah, yeah, and that is that is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Eric, that's one of your strong points too, is that you feel it. You feel it on 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 so many different levels and it's a full sensory experience. And I just wanna give out your website so people want to discover your music. And I'm gonna spell your last name because I'm guessing that people may not know and it's Eric E R I C, not with a K. And then well, you can say it this way. Here's, here's an easier thing. You can just go to itsabeautifuldaytoday.com. Fantastic. There you go. And I, I love that. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. That's, that's it's a beautiful day today. today. I was going to do it's just It's a Beautiful Day, but it was taken. And there was a band from the 60s called It's a Beautiful Day. So oh, maybe they own that. But it's, it's a beautiful day today.com. And that links to pretty much everything. The site, the music, the mailing list, et cetera, et cetera. No, that would be amazing. And, I, and actually, I would love to have you back if you're scheduled for us. I know you're super busy, but I know Michael has, is going to go on your site and going, oh, my gosh, he's going to be kicking himself. They didn't have an opportunity to ask you a million and a half questions, and I still have more. And an hour goes by so, so quickly. We can, we can keep going. If you, if you have the time, I'm just hanging out. It's up to you. <laughs> Well, we could actually we could do it. we could do another. We have only an hour on uh, here on FM, and I'm all right, so grateful yeah. to, sure. to all of you for for joining us here. And Eric, is there anything lastly that you'd like to leave our audience? I have no idea. Well, what about you? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say, know. you know what? You know, drive around, find a mall. Drive around, blast back ah. to the future, and see where see where the journey takes you. <laughs> I was there actually at the same mall um, what a month ago because I saw somewhere that they had the uh, the prop that said uh, Twin Pine Mall from the movie in the mall. <laughs> so That's I was like, really- oh, I never see that. Yeah, so it was, and there it was. It was in there. It was like this, like kind of courtyard area. It was all lit up. 
of course I took a lot of photos of it and that was really cool. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I like to take my kid to that mall at night and drive around like a maniac, you know, uh, <laughs> that's the mall you drive around like a maniac. Awesome. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank, thank you to you. all our listeners, and we're so, I'm just so grateful. And uh, until next week, abundant blessings and big love to you all. Good thank chatting. You. Thanks for Goodbye. taking the time.